Good morning. Man, this place is packed. I like it. Um, I'm going to say he is risen. You say he is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. Well, welcome to you. We're certainly grateful for all of the, the, the folks that are here today. And if you're new here, we're really grateful that you came and that you chose to, to come and, and, and to worship with us um, Easter morning. We, uh, we, you know, if you, if you might be happen to be uh, looking for a church home or something like that, I want to let you know something. I mean, we do this every week. We do, seriously. <laughs> every week it's going on. We don't even miss any. It's always happening. So we would love to have you any given week. Um, we would love you to just come and, and, and join us. I don't know, you know, like why you're here this morning or, or, or what that looks like. Maybe you got drug here or maybe you just had to come or whatever that looks like. We're grateful. We're thankful that you're here this morning, even if you got pulled here by your ear. Um, we're, we're, we're thankful. So uh, this morning, um, we are going to look into um, just uh, what is this all about, this kind of this thing, this this idea of the resurrection. Um, what, what is it w- with, you know, these, these crazy Christians and, and, and why they would believe, you know, something like that? I think, I think in reality, almost everybody believes that there's something beyond here. I think in, in reality, there's a, just a very few people, a, a very low percentage of people that, that think that it just turns black and it's all over at the end of this. We, we, we have this thing inside of us. As a matter of fact, the book of Ecclesiastes tells us that God has written eternity into the hearts of mankind, that, that we kind of just get it. We understand that there's, there's more to life, and, and we're drawn into that. And then we're, we're living, though, in the middle of the tension of the reality of kind of the now, where we live, uh, how, the world that we live in. You know, maybe this sounds super crazy to you, but honestly, this is truly beyond our experience. The whole idea of the resurrection is a supernatural event. It's beyond the natural realm, just as Ben was saying, that, that we, we, we celebrate and understand that God isn't subject to the rules of the universe. He's the author of the rules of the universe. Therefore, He transcends all of the rules of, of, of the physical life and, and the physical world that, we, um, that we're a part of. So why does it matter, and why would it matter to me? Why would it matter to you? I'm going to hold that something very amazing happened a couple of thousand years ago, roughly. Something, something profound happened a couple of thousand years ago. As a matter of fact, the entire world, as we know it, has been changed and affected by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen, right? It truly has. It changed everything. It changed the the calendar that we follow um, is because of Jesus. So something happened, and and to be honest with you, it's something that shouldn't have happened. In other words, it it was just this obscure place with just you know, just kind of in the middle of, of stuff with, with just not that. It, it was a movement that should have died when Jesus died on the cross and went into the grave. It, it should have died at that point. It should have just faded into obscurity. And, and we should have never even heard anything about it today. But that's not the case. 
As a matter of fact, it's radically transformed the world that we live in. It's radically continuing to transform the world that we live in. And it individually has the power and the ability to radically transform and change your life and my life. And I can tell you that that's the truth for me. That is part of who I am is that God radically changed my life. And I stand here to tell you today a couple things. One is this. Is that, is that if you would have told me and my friends about 22 years ago <laughs> that I would even attend church, we would have been belly laughing on the ground, okay? To be honest with you, I would have been anything but a Christian. I didn't, I didn't even like Christians. I, did, I, I thought Christians were dumb. I, I like you guys now. I, I mean, you know, but... but <laughs> But, but I, I, really, I really didn't have any time for it, and I, and I really just thought. I, I looked into every other thing that there was. And, but, but somehow Jesus snuck up on me, and, and, and in a way that I can't even explain to you, I, I became a follower of Jesus, and it changed my life. It was the only thing fundamentally that has ever changed my life for any length of time. I had things where I would be able to change for short periods of time and, 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 and work on, you know, trying to be a better guy and some things like that. But none of those things were ever sustaining in my life. The only sustaining thing in my life that's carried me for 22 years is my faith in Christ. And, and, and at the bottom of this thing is the resurrection. So we celebrate today this idea of resurrection. And this idea of resurrection is at the core of who we are. As a matter of fact, the story of resurrection is so knit into your soul that you can't really get away from it. It's the concept and the idea of redemption. It's the idea that one day God is going to set the book straight, that everything is going to be made right. See, everything that we long for here on this world is because we aren't made for this stuff. We're not made for death. We're not made for pain. We're not made for suffering. God created a different thing. He had an original intention, and we strayed from that through sin. And that's, and that's, that's caused and that's brought in the brokenness and the, and, and the struggles in the world around us. But you see, everything about us is drawn to the idea of goodness, of life, of, 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 of family, of, of our world, and just the goodness of what it is. It's, so, it's written into the human soul. We can't get away from it. Even, even Hollywood can't get away from it, believe that or not. As a matter of fact, the movies that are always the most successful have at their core the theme of, of sacrifice and redemption. Those are the core themes that pull humanity into the theaters and, and sell millions and millions of tickets. And it happens time and time and time again. And the reason that it happens is because this story is written in the human soul. We just can't get away from it. It's part of who we are. See, there are four big questions in life that everybody in here has. And those four questions are this, roughly. Who am I? What is my identity? Who am I really? Where did I come from? What's my origin? Who made me? Why am I here? What is my purpose? And where am I going? What's after this? These are the big questions of life, right, that we, that we wrestle with and not only wrestle with at times, but try to escape and try to distract ourselves from. Uh, but you see, this idea of resurrection is so at the core of Christianity that honestly, it is Christianity. There is no Christianity apart from the resurrection. It is the absolute foundational building blocks 
of our faith. It's the building blocks of the church. Something happened that radically changed a few, uh, uh, roughly uh, about 11 guys' lives so much that they were willing to take the message with them to the grave, each and every one of them, and offered an opportunity to deny it. All they had to do was turn away from it. But 11 people said, no, we saw something different. We experienced something different. Something happened in our lives that's so radical that we have a message that we know is now so true and so much a a reality that we're we're willing to give our lives for it. And they did. They did. Only one guy, 10 of them, 10 out of 11 did. John, the the only guy who didn't, spent his elder years um, exiled in prison on an island called Patmos, right off off the, 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 the shore of Greece. So... What does it mean? Let's look into uh, some text here just real quick together, and then I'm not going to hold you up here too long, so, so, so we'll just... Uh, but it says this, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, which is a huge uh, chapter on just the concept and the idea of resurrection. We're going to start in just uh, verses 12 through 15, and it says this, now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. We'll keep going here, 16 through 19. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people the most to be pitied. So Paul kind of lays out this deal here, and he says basically that foundationally that resurrection is so much in the heart of what we're talking about that if the resurrection isn't true, then you and I are really dumb to be here today. That it's really just that it's futile that we would be here, that there's no reason for us to be here, that if this isn't the truth, then, man, we're really foolish to live our lives like we're trying to live our lives. If we're really trying to live as followers of Christ and trying to live outside of ourselves instead of for ourselves, then, then that's just the dumbest thing that we could really do. But what does it say here? It, it, it says this, um, It says that if he has not been raised, then we're still in our sins. Part of this message of what it means to us is that there's a possibility of forgiveness for our sins. And, and, and to be honest with you, the deepest need of the human being is, is forgiveness. Because you see, there's nobody in here who's worthy. There's, there's nobody in here who's, who's got it all figured out, who's lived just the, the, the shiny life and, and doesn't have things and struggles and, and things in the closet and things that you wish weren't in your life, right? This is the reality of who we are as, as human beings. The Bible, you know what the Bible teaches about good people? It says there aren't any. That's what it says. It says that when in comparison to the righteousness of God, of Christ, in comparison to that, that there's, there's nobody that even comes close, that none of us do, that we all have a need outside of ourselves, that all of us are insufficient in and of ourselves to be in the presence of a holy and perfect God. 
But you see, that's the amazing thing about this thing. See, is the, is the fact that the, the Bible teaches is that God didn't let that get in the way. What he did was he came and he provided a solution for us, a solution that we could never provide for ourselves. That he came and lived a perfect life, and then he died in our place so that he might substitute his life for ours, so that he might offer forgiveness, so that we might stand in his presence and that we might also live forever. But you see, what it teaches us here in verse 19 is it says, if, if, if the message of Christianity is only that we would just be some better people while we're here, then it's, it's not worth anything. If it doesn't extend beyond here, if it doesn't go into the eternal, if it doesn't uh, transcend the temporal and take us into the eternal, then what good is it? We might as well, honestly, might as well just party. Might as well just have a good time if that's not the truth. You might as well just go for it because, because you'd just be foolish to not just soak in all you could while you're here if this is the end of it. The gospel or the, 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 the re- resurrection, it validates who you are. You see, when Jesus was resurrected, he was resurrected physically. He still had a physical body. Now, don't get me wrong, it was the upgraded 2.0 version of the human body. It's a way better deal that we're, what we're looking at than what we have today. But you see, you were created to be who you are. God first made a body, and then he put a spirit, a soul into that. It says he breathed the soul into that, and it became a nefesh or a living being, a human being. You were always meant to live both a physical and a spiritual reality. See, some of the problem that we start to get into when we start thinking about resurrection is we start thinking about being um, disembodied spirits off somewhere, flitting around like ghosts or something. I'm just going to tell you that is not the biblical uh, idea of what happens. The, Bib- the Bible tells us that you are created individually, that you are created uniquely, that God knit you together in your mother's womb, that you have a DNA, you have a human genome that is unique to you. Nobody else has one like you do. It's unique to you. You have fingerprints that nobody else has. You have a retina like nobody else has. You have a life and a history and experience that nobody else ever has or ever will. There's never been another you. And that wasn't an accident. God meant to do that. He meant to make you and, and, and to create you. And one day, you see, the hope of the believer is that God will resurrect us. He will rescue us from death. And that we will one day, believe it or not, will actually live here again on a new earth, uh, one that's been purged, one that has been remade in, in a lot of ways, but certainly not a non-earth, an earth. Because you see, that's what we are made to be. Earth was always meant to be our home. And, and, and so this is how we'll live for all eternity. And, and heaven and eternity will be much more physical than maybe you and I ever really think about. Now, again, it's going to be the upgraded version, the 2.0, right? We'll look at that here in a second. Romans 8, 18 through 21, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. 
Continuing on, for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now, and not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we eagerly wait for adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. So what does this mean? It means that we have a future. It validates that there is a future, which also validates the, the reality that what you do here matters how we live and what we do and how we approach life, it really does matter. It has an ongoing thing. You see, there's a continuity of what God is doing to where we will leave here, but there will be a continuity of the things that happen here that go with us through this resurrection. We see this in the life of Jesus. We see that he goes on and he continues to teach and, and, and talk to and minister to his disciples even afterwards. And he walks this earth and he eats and he does all of these things. And the Bible tells us that one day we will have a body like his. It changes lives. Like I said, the resurrection and the power of the resurrection has the power to transform and change your life. I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know where you're at. But I know this. I know this world is, is filled with, with struggle and with difficulties and with pain. And we're dealing with things that we didn't ask for and we don't understand. But you see, the hope, the hope for the future is always greater than the struggle that we're in today. You see, what this means, too, is it gives us a hope for the future, and it tells us, too, that even the earth one day, because, see, God's plan of redemption isn't just for human beings, it's to redeem all of His creation. It's, again, to, to, it's, the, it's the picture of redemption that, that this earth will be made right, as it was always intended to be, that, that there won't be the, the death and the struggle, there won't be... Um, awful weather occurrences, and we'll actually live in harmony the way we were always intended to live with the world around us. Revelation 21 tells us this. It says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more, and I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. This is the hope. This is the picture of redemption. This is the thing that you and I long for. When we look into the brokenness and the struggle of the world all around us, and we hate it, and we hate the death and the suffering and the war and the sickness and the struggles that we all have in our lives and the struggles that we're watching people go through, you see, it's that God is telling us that the hope is greater than the struggle, that in the struggle is the place where we're at now. That's the reality of this thing but that God says, one day, I promise I'm going to take you to another place. And I'm going to take you and every desire of your heart is going to be met in that place. But for here and for now as Christians, um, or not Christians, there's a call on our lives. If you're a Christian, the call on your life is, is to live your life for Christ. 
It's to make disciples. It's, it's, to, it's to affect change in this world. It's to go and to seek the lost. It's to live your life outside of yourself and, and for others. It's to do. It's, it's to be active in the world around us and to bring love and light and goodness of Christ to the world so that they might see it. And if you're, if you're, if you're not a believer, then, then, the, then the call that God is calling to you today is to say yes to this relationship. You see, when Jesus died on the cross, he said yes to a relationship with you. It was his desire. The Bible tells us that it's, it's God's desire that no one should perish, but all should have eternal life, right? John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life, that they would be raised up to eternal life. You can do that anytime, but I would recommend that you don't wait because I can tell you this, you just don't know. You don't know what time you have. You don't know what's coming around the corner, and all you have to do is say yes. See, because a love relationship is what God is seeking with each and every person, and it takes two to have one of those, right? If only one of us is into it, remember, that's kidnapping, God doesn't do that. God isn't going to hold you hostage. He's given you a free will, and he simply invites the opportunity to have a relationship with him. It's the greatest invitation that's ever been given. It's, it's the most amazing thing that's ever happened in this world is that God came for you and for me, and he came to make a way so that we could be with him forever each and every person in this room will spend eternity somewhere. That's what the Bible says clearly. You'll either spend it with him and in relation to him forever and ever and ever, or you'll spend it separate from him and from his goodness and from his presence forever and ever and ever. And it will be your choice. It was not something that God is going to do to us. It's a choice. It's a decision that we make in what we will do with our lives. Will we give them to God in obedience or will we go our own way and live our lives for ourselves? I want to share one last thing for you, to, with you, and this, this is from Job. And um, this is Job uh, 19. Uh, it's, it's verses 25 and 26. And this, this has to do with just a little bit more with just kind of my personal testimony. But, but, but this, is, um, this is the verse that is, was, is on the, the window above the sink in my daughter Callie's house. And Callie died tragically June 15th of 2021. And this was the verse that she has, and, and, and it says, for I know, and this is, this is Job. This is, scholars would say that this is the oldest book of the Bible. The, this is an ancient man who is standing and making the proclamation thousands of years ago thousands of years ago, that he knew this one thing. For I know that my Redeemer lives, for at last he will stand upon the earth, and after my skin has thus destroyed, been destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God. Do you know what Job got? Job got the resurrection. He knew that even though one day he would go to the grave and his body would decompose, that one day that God would put it all back together 
that because he is the infinite God of the universe, because he knows all things, because he's ordered all things, because he brings all things into order, that he could bring everything back and that Job once again would see his Redeemer on this earth. What a powerful statement. What, a, what an amazing thing. And you see, this is the hope. This is the thing that I hold to. This is what keeps me from going crazy right now, is that I know that where I'm at in the space that I'm at right now, and it's a deep, painful tension, it's the hardest thing I've ever walked through in my life. And the only way that I'm able to walk through it today is because Jesus is walking with me, and he's promised me that one day he's going to set it all right. He's going to set the books straight, and that one day I will stand with Callie when we have been raised from the grave and we will stand triumphantly on this place and we will proclaim together that Jesus is king, that he is the Lord of all, and that he was right, that he wasn't wrong in anything that he did, and that his justice and his righteousness and his goodness have prevailed and will prevail forever and ever and ever and ever. Amen? Lord, we just thank you. We thank you that you've come, that you've come as our redeemer and that you have not left us in any kind of a spot of just wondering where we'll be or, or what that will look like. You've given us an assurance by your own resurrection that because we are sealed in you and that, you, uh, that the Holy Spirit seals us, that you too will one day come for us as well. And Lord, so we're also just lifting up. We wanna pray for anybody who is outside of that at this moment. Anybody who's just never made a decision for you, Jesus, maybe today's the first day that there's been some clarity in that, Lord. And we're just praying that your spirit would draw them, Lord. We're praying that they would come into your kingdom, that they would know your goodness, that they would live their life by the power, the resurrection power that you've left us with. And so, Lord, we give you thanks this day. We celebrate and we give honor and glory to you because you are the one who is worthy to receive all that we have. And we lift you up. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.